Pickaxe. Hey ho everybody and welcome back to the Video Game Movie Podcast with myself Rory Jocelyn of Cyberpunk Studios and I'm joined as per usual by Jamie Evans of Impala Films. Say hello Jamie. Hi de hi. If you enjoy the show's content that we do please follow us on Twitter. You can catch me at, at Cyberpunk Film and you can catch me at Cyberpunk Film on Facebook and follow us on all of our social medias. You can chase us up on Spotify, you can chase us up on Google Music, Apple Music and basically a myriad of other places. Jamie what? social medias do you have that you wish to share how the hell would i know i don't remember uh, Which, let's see come on jamie <laughs> I, I do believe my twitter is at jamie by design yep i believe and i believe my facebook is at impala revolution fantastic and my instagram i do believe is jamie underscore evans underscore impala films excellent so i think that could be wrong you you <laughs> might get some guy down in argentina if you do that but who can say we, well we'll find out also please feel free to join us on our discord channel that we've now got for this series yeah, you're right we need to start promoting that. you need to start right. promoting the discord it's quite new so get on board and we'll keep you updated via that chat as well as you can have a one-on-one chat with us and we don't mind discussing films ideas and things like that while we're yeah. on there today's episode let's cut away from all the pretense of what it may be it's a little known film and i say little known film because it kind of is really called noobs n-o-o-b-z which is a 2011 no 2012 movie sorry uh written directed and starring blake freeman (laughs) obviously we all remember blake freeman charisma vacuum blake freeman (laughs) that's the one however there are a couple of names on here that you might be more au fait with jason muse is kind of the second lead now anyone who knows of jason muse will probably know more as jay from jay and silent bob i think that's all he's been in isn't it i can't think of anything else he's been in pretty much he's one of the biggest stars however the only other one who's kind of massive massive i'd say is casper van deen who's not in it very much but he is in the film. Mass, massive. Well, he's, he's, well, compared to Blake Freeman. I tell you what's funny. <laughs> obviously, not at the time this was released, but Lin Shay is in this movie. And I guarantee you, if this had came out this year, Lin Shay would be one of the names on the top of the box. Which one was Lin Shay? So she's the old lady who's married to Casper Van Dien. Ah, yes. She has had quite a career resurgence in the last few years mm. since playing the lead in the Insidious series of movies. Right. She was in the latest version of The Grudge. She's kind of So become, she's had a revival, basically. Basically, yeah, career, basically. she's kind of become a horror icon sure. in the last few years. Cool. For those who are fans of some sort of classic actors, uh, Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda Williams, is in this. And she does all right, but obviously it's not really a... The role doesn't really showcase her talents either as an actress or as a comedian. Yeah. It's just kind of... It's there. just another there. She's character. a generic hipster girl. However, she is in it, so I thought that would be interesting because myself, that was sort of the more interesting part for me. Mm. I haven't watched an awful lot of Starship Troopers to be like, oh, Casper Van Dien, and I'm not really a big fan of Jay and Silent Bob, so yeah. that didn't do it for me. But seeing Zelda Williams was in this... I was like, oh, I wonder what her career's like and what's going on with that. So that was an interest for me. Shall we quickly talk about the mystery of this cover art? Uh, and the yes. fact that there is an actress on this cover art who, for the, we have literally just watched this movie, literally 30 seconds ago. And there's a model, the, the only female on the front cover, 
and I don't think she was in the film. It's definitely not Zelda Williams. No. Um, and I, yeah, you're right. I don't think she was in the film because she doesn't look. You, you suggested she might be Blake Freeman's girlfriend from the beginning. Yeah, it's the but only part, her facial shape is completely wrong. Yeah, you're right. I think she is. I think she might be someone who was cut from the film. Quite possibly. And the thing is, they did have outtakes at the end, but or, she wasn't in any of them. I'm not even lying. She's in a deliberately low-cut top, and she has a rather large chest. It could be as cynical as they've just gone, fuck, we need some boobs on this cover so people will buy it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Now, you'll like this about the disc, Jamie. So I've got the Blu-ray I to import it from Germany because this is only available on Blu-ray in Germany. Oh, it so shouldn't be available on Blu-ray at all. So don't say that I don't put the effort in, Jamie. <laughs> we imported this especially. Uh, uh, if you remember, a couple episodes ago, I forget which one exactly, I actually commended you on how much effort you put into pointless things. <laughs> so. That's true, that is true. So, if, if you'll take note of this, this wonderful disc arrangement, mm. it says knobs, because the middle O is taken up by the circle in the middle of the disc, where well, the hole is. I, I think it's meant to be that that is the second yeah, O. Yeah, but then it's just N-O-B-Z, it's knobs. No, but that's the second O. No, but it doesn't, they've cut the white bit around it, so it just looks like knobs. I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, this film is, to be fair, you could call this film that because it is basically just these characters dicking around for 90 minutes. Absolutely. What was the runtime on this bad boy? The runtime was a hundred, well, roughly 100 minutes. Can I tell you how long it felt like? 100 years. <laughs> I've, I felt like we started watching this about 6am this morning. It felt like we, yeah. And it's now 4pm. Yep. Yeah, so I'm going to read just the sort of shorthand a little bit, the basic premise from the back of the box. Go ahead. <clears throat> Immobilian Mackler Cody, the Gerard Gefuerte Verde, Andis ein selbst ernannter Psychopath, gay oder auch nicht, Oliver. Do we have any listeners in Germany? Unders no. Then why are you reading it in German? <laughs> und der Schaustoff Junkie Hollywood sind der Rain-Clan und einer Kaustroppe vor dem Herren. Okay, I walked right into that one. That's my I fault. I did tell you it was a you, German You cover. did, you did, and I didn't listen. And there is no English. Mit Kasper Van Dien und Jason Mewes. Well, there is a review on here from GameRadar.de, DE for Deutschland for being the German Games Radar. The Nerdfilm der Jahres. Which means basically the, the nerd, nerd film, film of the, of the year. year. Yeah, I gathered that. Uh, I mean, I can't remember any other nerd films in 2012, so he might be right, but because it's the only one. But was Scott Pilgrim versus the World 2012? Oh, actually, that's a good point. I, th- my, I think it. No, it was no, it was 2009. Scott Pilgrim. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, it was early. Um, well, earlier. Oh, that makes sense because I watched it while I was at uni. Yeah, and I went to uni in 2010. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, I'd have to double check what other potential games there were in 2012, but. I can't believe that this was the so the only way this was the best is if it was the only one. <laughs> so basically, uh, this movie is ostensibly the main character is Blake Freeman's character, who was so bland I've already forgotten his name. Cody. Uh, I Cody. Wrote, Cody. I wrote that one down. Well done. Um, so he <laughs> Don't is. Patronize me. <laughs> he is a generic. Aside from being a vacuum of charisma, he is a generic loser. He works for a real estate company, but he doesn't care about his job, so he half asses it, which leads sacked. to him getting sacked. Um, he's blown. We, we come to learn that that's like the fifth job he's been sacked from, mm-hmm. and he just really Don't sits around. The car. And he's, you know, painted the car with his face to quote build a brand. Yep. And and then he's. 
I'm going to be honest here, as crude as this may be, because, you know, life's about more than just looks and stuff. His girlfriend, who is far too wife, attractive... apparently. His wife, sorry, who's far too hot for him, comes in and he's playing games at 3pm. And quite rightly, this woman chews him out and divorces him. Yeah. Now, let's let's just put a pause here for a minute to talk, tell you about this lady's costume. Yes, um, I've noted that here as well. Yeah. Yep. So she's wearing one of these standard like Primark-style tank tops that loads of girls wear. Yeah, it's just a basic grey tank top. but It's, it's not low-cut, but it's got a cut that would show yeah. some cleavage. Yeah, but they have visibly, like it's not even hidden, they have visibly... And it's not well done. No, visibly with scissors have cut down the centre yeah, so the that neck. so that more of her cleavage, more of her spillage is... Call, oh, call God, back, that can't be... A, I don't want that to be a permanent fixture. Call, call back to Sega Hard Girls, episode three. Her spillage. Was it episode three? It was. That's a call back to episode three, guys. Um, her, her boobs are out, basically. I'm a fan of boobs, but I don't need you to be obnoxiously yeah. cutting women's costumes in half and it was very, so that they can see them. There was no attempt to sew... Like It wasn't like they cut it with scissors and then they'd... And they hemmed it. And hemmed it and stitched it round so it looked normal. It wasn't at all. It was literally like you could see the rips where mm. the scissors hadn't as, done as a if, good cutting uh, job. As if they'd literally done it on the two minutes before shooting the scene. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, he is part of a gamer group called Rain. That's yep. their clan name. Yeah. Um, Rain is in, like, to conquer, not yeah, rain yeah. is in water. Um, which also consists of Jason Muser's character, known as Predatored, on the... Yes. His gamer tag is Predatored. Yep. Cody's gamer tag is Rumple... Rumple... Was it Rumple uh, Foreskin? Rumple Foreskin. Rumple Foreskin. Yep. I don't know the who... Wor- is these the names. worst one is... Who's the character everyone thinks is gay? Oliver, Matt was Fry- Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, Oliver. So Oliver is a character who is a little bit effeminate, and as such, because this is a, a 2012 movie, the rest of the characters spend the whole film giving him shit for being gay. He spends the whole film denying that he's gay, but his username in the clan, and doesn't this just lead to all the yucks... Is Fraggot. Yes. So, yeah. Be careful there before you cancel me. Frag. I did not... Frag. Fraggot. Make sure you get that R in there. Yes. But, my God. Anyway, the fourth and final person of their team is a guy called Hollywood. Yes. Who they never see on their webcam. But he but... has a picture of Casper Van Dien and pretends that he is Casper Van Dien. Yeah. Well, well, for all intents and purposes, is Casper Van Dien. You can tell by point. his voice it's not Casper Van Dien. Then they don't even believe it's Casper no. Van Dien themselves. Now, this is where the film then gets more complicated than it should be. Because I assume this film was also written by Blake Freeman? Uh, yes. So let me just give you a rundown on that. Screenplay by Blake Freeman and Marvin Wilson with two L's. <laughs> just so in case you wanted to know. There was... There was... What? There were seven producers on this film. Well, we'll get Including to that. Blake Freeman as one of those, and directed by Blake Freeman, mm. and starring Blake Freeman. He wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune... <laughs> this is a vanity... Let's be clear, this totally... It becomes clear that this is a vanity project. Yeah, to the point where the script ends up destroying itself. Yeah, so this is the, what I'm about to get into. Yeah. We then start... So basically, there are too many storylines happening in this film. 
So, you think your main arc here is going to be about Blake Freeman learning not to be a loser. Yeah. We're then introduced to the clan's arch enemy clan, who are called the Black Assassins. Yep, which for the most part that we see is most of what we see until the very end with the tournament is just one one black kid kid with with a really stereotypical like Uh, a afro comb thing. Yeah, stuck in his hair the whole time. Uh, And was his username Yo Mama? I think it I'm might sure be your mama. mama, yeah. So you think, oh, well, they're obviously going to be the, you know, this is the joke because the film's called Noobs. They're these obnoxious kids. You think it's going to be like an older v young thing because we then get introduced to what is clearly meant to be a villain, a character called Greg, who is frozen in the 1980s. He literally has a mullet. Everything he loves is from the 80s. He yep. still uses a cassette player. He wants to be the frog... Well, he he says that he has a... Like, he was kind of known as a frogger champion, but he's got, like, a score to settle or something, but it's never mentioned as to, like, whether he lost something or what the score was he wanted to settle. Yeah. He just, for some reason, has decided this is his year to come back and settle the score on Frog. Yeah. Fun fact for Supernatural fans, his advisor, who is only in, only one, in scene. one scene, <laughs> is played by Richard Spate Jr., who... Super Supernatural fans will know as Gabriel from Supernatural. I'm glad you mentioned Gabriel because they keep on thinking that Oliver's character is gay. (laughs) My God. Terrible pun time. Come on, it's not as bad as Predator. No, I know. Anyway... (laughs) So, so you and basically all of these characters are all going to a tournament for the game Gears of War three, which which is featured heavily throughout this movie. Yes. We'll get there. Yes, um, I'll, I'll come to the references. There's a lot of them, but but most for, the vast majority of them are Gears of War three. But for some reason, this game tur- uh, tournament. Now I don't <laughs> game turd. I've slipped the tongue. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I've never been to a games tournament, so I don't know. Please correct me. A tournament for Gears of War three for reasons I cannot figure out, also has a Frogger tournament happening as, like, a side thing. Yes. Now, I would get it if it was, like, a Gears of War tournament... If it was just and a then, general tournament. ...and then a smaller modern game as a side as a side tournament, sure. like Forza or something. Yeah. But what, what audience do you think you're capturing having a Gears of War 3 tournament yeah. and a Frogger tournament. Anyway, point is, Armageddon, as he's known... As he calls himself, no one else calls him. Yeah, he's going to this tournament as well, and he has a speech about how modern console gamers, you know, are weak and lazy and feckless, and arcade gaming's what real men do. And this is the thing with the title of film, Noobs, and the fact you've got three different teams in three different age brackets, you think the theme of the film is going to be... This generational conflict, which would sort have been a better thing. story by a long margin. But there's another story set up because Jason Muse's character is also madly in love with a lady from another team, yeah. which is Zelda Williams's character yeah. named Ricky. But Ricky. it only mentions it at the end. No, 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 they did say it earlier when he shows them the picture. Just call her Zelda Williams. But do you see what we're getting at already? There are too many storylines in the cooker, and a lot of these storylines get forgotten about for half the film. Yeah. And then at the end, they all cancel each other out, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's roll back a bit. So now we've got established kind of the ground rules of this storyline. There's a few things that I wanted to note. So Cody's wife, with the the one with the low-cut top, Mm -hmm. sorry, Blake, Blake Freeman's wife when she leaves him they're all listening over their headpieces because they're currently having a death match online yeah 
Um, um, and it's meant to be funny that they're overhearing all this. <laughs> it's, it's terrible that you have to say meant to be funny, but it is meant to be funny. It should have been funnier. Uh, there was a couple of points where it's like mouth curling up a little bit, like oh that's all right, but then it just it, yeah it never it never hit a consistent tone. But anyway, she says to him that because he's been so lazy, she goes, "I can't do this anymore. I found someone else, so mm. I'm leaving." And it's like that's superfluous. Why does she need to have found someone else? Like, him being a bum and screwing her around is surely enough for her to leave without needing to go, by the way, I found another dick. Is it, is it a weak attempt to make him the good guy because well, that, you get pity what, on here's him? The, here's the problem, right? Fine. Like, I, I think it's unnecessary, but fine, I would have understood that. But, again, like, if the idea was to set him up as that he's gotten complacent and, like, you know, procrastinating to the point where everyone's leaving him... Then his story arc should have been by the end he finds redemption and he's like, you know what, I need to do I do need to put effort in. I do need to improve my life. Not necessarily to win her back, but to get someone who would stick by him and for him to actually stick by them. For his own self fulfillment. Yeah, but they continue that on into the start of the road trip. Because there's a road trip to get to the tournament. They start that off through yep. the road trip to the point where they get to a gas station. We'll come to the gas station in a minute. There's a sequence there where something happens. And then that seems to be the end of trying to give him any form of redemption. It's badly written and it doesn't work. But it, there's an attempt to like sort of hear, have him consider having just, this epiphany to redeem himself. And then for the rest of the film... He just becomes grumpy after that, doesn't he? He just becomes a grumpy narcissist. And they even call him a narcissist. And then that's him... Yeah. And, and he never advances from that point. Yeah. From, the ho- from that point on to the end of the film, he doesn't have any story arc. And the, the gas station scene probably... It potentially could be the funniest scene in the film yep. if you had an actor who had any ounce of comedic ability, i.e. not Blake Freeman. Or I, I feel bad because, you know... It feels I like we're slating on Blake Freeman. The thing is, we are. It's, it's possible he could have been a good actor if he wasn't also director, because there are some people that can't direct themselves. Because yeah. it's, that's the awkward thing, is like directing and acting in the same movie, you need to have a really strong idea of what you're doing, and really you need to have a lot more experience to trust yourself with that, whereas otherwise you're going to end up missing on something. And let's be honest, the direction on this wasn't stellar to begin with, and it was very clear that some of it, certainly on directing himself, there was it was lacklustre and missing. So it's possible Blake Freeman could pull a good performance, he just didn't. Either because of inability, or if it's not because of inability, because he overtaxed himself. Yeah, he needs a better cinematographer, or or well, a he better... wasn't the cinematographer. That was That's Ryan Purvis, he who need... I will never hire. That's what I'm saying. He needs either a better <laughs> cinematographer or one he has a better working relationship with. Because if what I've learned from my own personal experience, because I I act and direct as well, yeah, yeah. and what I've learned from my own personal experience is if you're going to do that, you need either an assistant director or a DOP who you can trust. trust to have a similar vision to you and um, they because some of the framing in some of these shots oh, it's terrible is is on par with student movies oh it, uh, uh, yeah absolutely you in know. fact I'd, there was there's some scenes where it sort of gets beyond that but not by a large margin you're never going to watch this and go oh it's like watching blade runner you know you're never going to be like it, no the film's far too ugly for that yeah it, there's um, I, I don't understand why it's so ugly well, either well I, I can tell you what, and to be fair to be fair to this film, 
Part of that is the fact that it's clearly a low-budget film. Mm. They clearly spent a lot of the money they did have getting Jason Mewes, Casper Van Dien, and Lynn Shay. And actually, John Greers, who plays Armageddon, is a fairly well-known actor as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. They've obviously spent the money there. Sure. Uh, and it shows, because those people are the best actors in the film. Yeah. But it's partly as well either that they've overtaxed themselves or they've been unimaginative. The, the things that make this film look cheap is the lighting in every scene. Every scene is clear, like nothing's too dark, yeah, yeah, but it, it's it doesn't flat. look terrible, yeah, you can see. Yeah, it's very basic flat lighting. Yep. All the shots are not quite composed right. No. So they're ignoring the rule of thirds a lot. There's a scene with Zelda Williams where I even heard you say, oh, that's an ugly shot. Yeah. Where she's cramped over to the left side of the screen, yeah. but the entire right-hand side of the screen is just empty space. Yeah. There's nothing interesting happening no, and, there. And so she's not even from... facing forward. She's facing to the left. Yeah. But she's with like... her hair obscuring her face. Yeah, it's, it's a really badly considered shot. Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't catch that. Yeah. And the other reason that stuff you can, you can fix for free, yeah, is there are no there's no proper close-ups. I don't know if you notice this. Not real, genuine close-ups. No, close the no. closest they get is sort of mid-chest level. Yeah, mid-close. There's no, the, yeah. yeah, there's no proper like their faces filling the screen. Dramatic close-ups. Well, there was there was nothing cinematic in the framing either. So, it, and to it, be fair, it's not a cinematic script. Let's no, be but there's certain elements where you could use cinematic techniques to enhance. Mm. A situation. So, not to get too ahead of myself, but in the tournament at the end, when certain things happen and certain people win or lose or die or not take the shot or whatever is happening in that scene, you could punctuate those shots with extreme close-ups where it's like, and you can see the sweat going down someone's yeah, face. Or, that's what I would have done. Yeah, yeah. something where close you can of the hands on the controllers, yeah, and you could get all the tension, and you could really wring out a scene and get you know build that tension. There was no tension throughout this whole film mm. because even though they had those elements in the story. Every single shot was just kind of a relaxed, oh, I'll just watch you from over here and there, see how it goes. There's no variance of pace either. No. The film is all one speed. Yep. And yeah. it just, there's never any urgency. The film just chugs on. And like I said, storylines get forgotten. Like, I literally forgot Armageddon was in the film for half of it. Because after his first scene, there's actually. He disappears a, for about 30 minutes. Yeah, there's a huge gap where he doesn't appear again. And you're like, and then he comes back, you're like, oh, this guy. Yeah. So, after Cody's wife leaves him, Jason Muse's character convinces Cody, or Blake Freeman, to come to the Gears tournament, even though he kind of doesn't want to. Now, I mentioned here, when we were talking about how ugly this film can be, Cody goes to meet Jason Muse at his store, where he runs a, a chain of video game Basically sales websites. Yeah, game, game stores. GameStop in America, yeah. And he goes to that store... And there's a point where there's a customer complaining and there's just like a basic shot of the customer and over the customer's shoulder you can see Blake Freeman or Cody. It's well, a pointless scene as well, It's isn't a pointless it? scene. It adds nothing. But the other thing as well is that the camera focus, it, I can't tell if it's an autofocus or if it's a mistake by the focus oh, puller. Yes, but it, it goes it, out of focus it goes several out of times. Yeah, a few times. It's like it's struggling, which would normally suggest to me that it's an autofocus issue. But then I don't know if it is because there is what seems to be a manual focus pull mm. when it then focuses on Cody in the background. Yeah. So I'm like, is the focus puller just buggering about yeah. I'm guessing they didn't have a dedicated focus puller it's probably just a cinematographer holding the camera and doing the focus pulling simultaneously mm. it's just a really bad shot because actually that one's not so badly framed it's just the focus isn't right 
that he convinces him to go. <laughs> uh, there's a comment about the fact that when they're at the tournament, Jason Mewes is going to meet up with Zelda Williams' character, mm-hmm. and they've been apparently chatting for a long time, and this is stated, so this is a nice reference. You've been obsessed with this chick ever since Dreamcast. Which is, for me as a big Dreamcast fan, thank you. Uh, I just wish it was in a better film. But I, I do appreciate a good Dreamcast reference. Just like Sega Hard Girls was a great... And then the last part of that, before the, the actual journey starts, Jason Mewes chats with Zelda Williams on Skype to agree to a date at the tournament. J- Cody picks up Jason Mewes in his car, which still has his face on the side. And when Frag... Oh God, I can't say Fragger. Oliver comes out to meet them and get in the car for the journey. Oh, he He's on. left lipstick on. He was in his room looking at his mirror going, oh, I'm doing some weird... Yeah, he's just like dancing in front of his own just, mirror with lipstick on, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, for no reason. He's not got any other makeup on. There's no suggestion as to that he's been doing anything. He's just got lipstick on randomly. So he's going, oh, you're gorgeous, and all this stuff, and dancing. When he realises that he's been honked down by their horn, mm-hmm. he runs down, he's still got lipstick on, and they have a have a laugh about that. Yucking now, it up. Yep. And the thing is, is I'll put it here because lol gay. And the sad part is, is that this is a joke that is constant and consistent throughout the film throughout yeah. the film and it never it never pays off no i mean for the amount of times they pull this joke i mean we complained about stay alive because in the unrated version not the theatrical version you saw there was frankie muniz's character who was like oh that wrist strap smells and he's gay mm. and we we're like well that's a stupid thing to say and then it's brought up right near the end of the film oh no i'm not wearing this it's gay and then so you've got two references to that it's like oh this is superfluous it doesn't do anything and it's not even funny anymore i don't i would even question whether it was really that funny at the time well six years later noobs comes along and they take that from like six to eleven and it's just every five minutes gay <laughs> yeah no we understand you're gay bro oh no no it's cool no we don't have a problem you being gay you go no i'm not gay i'm not gay it's just like guys find another angle this character has no arc mm. oliver's character has zero arc he's literally his whole point of being there is hurt gay he's gay he says he's not gay he's gay it's just like find something give him something because actually I think he was the best actor out of the four main characters the actual actor it's just he wasn't given anything to do with his part fair enough fair enough that's my view anyway mm-hmm. um, because of something that comes up later I just think he, he as far as comedy was concerned he had the best comedic skill he just didn't have the space to actually emphasize it so on the way to pick up casper van Dien or hollywood they pull over to a petrol gas station and cody argues with a little girl because he can't wait for her to finish pouring herself a coffee from the coffee machine so he gives her God a forbid he should wait in line no exactly so he gives her a shitty remark and she turns around and pulls like what you'd expect from a stereotype of like an aggressive feminist that's the that's the way they've written and had her perform that character. It's just like, well, actually, you are. Yeah, that wasn't really what I got from it. I didn't Is it not? Think, no, I was. Thinking, I was talking about an archetype of that. Yeah, not, yeah. I thought they were just trying to make her sound like she's a lot wiser than she is and more analytical well that's what they were doing she starts like psychoanalyzing him doesn't she yeah where she's like oh um she's using words that that a 12 year old wouldn't yeah which i think is supposed to be the joke but it's just not funny no 
No, they forgot what was funny. And then this grown ass man. He has a asks, revelation. That's the way yeah. he has the revelation. Oh, yeah. like, oh, I am selfish. Oh, maybe I should yeah. improve. It doesn't stop him being selfish. No, and he, and he never improves from here. And in fact, this is where they drop the storyline. This yeah. is the last you hear of it. But, but he's like, I have this revelation. So he goes, Oh, can I have a cuddle? And she's yeah, like, yeah he, why not? He asks this 12 year old girl. He's a stranger to her. He asks her for a hug. And he's just hug. had an argument with her. Yeah. Asks her for a hug in the middle of this store, and she does. But of course, that's the point. Her mum walks in with a quick appearance from Austin Powers' as Mindy Sterling. Yep. And, of course, she freaks out. Who is way older than the daughter. Yeah, yeah. Too old to have a oh, daughter she's, that young. She, yeah, she's definitely the grandma. Yeah, well... Um, mm. She um, pepper sprays him. Yes. And then, and then you get, him. here we go with another eye-rolly joke. The clerk at this gas station, who is of Middle Eastern descent... Yeah, Middle Eastern slash Indian. Or Indian, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing... Um, Decides to pull out his phone to call the police, and he goes, "Don't worry, I know how to get the police here quickly." And obviously, I'm not going to imitate his accent, but he obviously has an accent he like has, that. Yeah, yeah. He rings the phone. They go nine one one. What's your emergency? And he suddenly puts on a generic American accent and yeah. says something along the lines of, "Hi, I'm a white middle class guy, and um, these people are robbing me." The joke, obviously, being ha ha ha, that white people are the only ones who get police assistance. Mm. It's a t- tired joke it's a hackneyed joke and to be honest it's not well done to be honest it's a little bit insensitive given all of the problems that american police forces do have as in killing black people this is what i'm saying (laughs) it's it's documented that there is a problem in the american police force with them racially profiling people yeah, yeah, things yeah. like that it's like that's not funny that's no and, and the thing is is the problem with that is not a lack of turning up it's turning up too aggressively mm. maybe it was different in 2012 but it doesn't feel like it's long ago enough for it to be that forgettable it doesn't but it is pretty much 10 years it is ago. it's nine years old i suppose yeah i'll give you that but still, it just it yeah it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right as a joke but whatever uh so the only part of that scene that I found genuinely hilarious is after he leaves the store and there's a, a really, I think, quite a good bit of slapstick actually from Blake Freeman. So a, a pro here for me from Blake Freeman. Yeah. Um, when he, like, basically... Oh, he's been pepper sprayed. Yeah, he tries to get in the car. He runs into the back of it. So Jason Mewes comes out of the other side, tries to pull him, opens up the passenger door, tries to throw him in, but he can't get him in, and he just slides out of the car again. He slams the door on his foot, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, and then so Oliver tries getting out the back, and, hey, do you need some help? Bats him in the head, knocks him into the front car door, Door. and it's just like this, it's it's quite a good slapstick in my mind. Yeah, I'll admit it was one of the only genuine laughs in the film. Yeah, I was like, actually, that's, that's a clever piece of slapstick, if only they'd done more of it. If they'd done more slapstick, it would have been a funnier film all round. Because they were trying to do wit and they didn't have the intelligence for it. So there's that. They drive up to Hollywood's house and Casper Van Dien is there washing his Porsche. And they're like, oh, well, Hollywood is Casper Van Dien. That's incredible. So they go up and they're like, oh, dude, I can't believe it's you. You know, blah, blah, blah. Casper Van Dien's looking at them like they're freaks and he doesn't know who they are. And when Oliver gets close, he's like, oh, dude, you, you look so good. You, you look so cool. He goes, you are even more handsome in real life. Right, look, I got a standing restraining order against your kind, so back off. Now, considering that there has been a constant homosexual profiling throughout this entire film, it's very clear that that's what that line refers yep. to as well. I have, a, I have a, you know, keep the gaze away, which isn't funny. Maybe it was in 2012? 
certainly not funny now. But here's the thing. Okay, so he's got a restraining order against the gays, right? And then at the end, when he walks off, Oliver says something else that's like, oh, he so says you you're aging really well. You're aging really well. He goes, oh, thanks. Turns around, watches Oliver walk off and goes, on a side note, I gotta tell you, you are aging just wonderfully. Come on, faggot. Mm, pretty cute. So why have you got restraining order against gay? Internalized homophobia. Misogynist. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. So it turns out that Hollywood is actually the gamer tag that is used by Casper Van Dien's wife's son. Yes. And they open the door, and he is a weedy, small, short kid yep. with a gas tank and an oxygen mask because he has severe asthma. Right. Yeah, that could kill him. At which point. Cody basically declares this guy dead, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, he's dude, like, he's fucking dead. We he's can't dying, take him yeah, anyway. We can't, yeah. Got cancer or something, you know. We um, can't have it's him. all very garbage. Yep. And then, I forget, do we have the unnecessary airport scene first, or do we meet Casper Van Dien's wife first? We meet Casper Van Dien's wife first, I think. So, Casper but... Van Dien's wife is played by very good actress, Lynn Shay. Yep. And to be fair, Lynn Shay is doing the best she can with what, she, with what, what is a given. cringy part. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, it's meant to be cringy, and she makes you cringe. She so does in her that part sense, well. she succeeds. Yep. She's basically a Las Vegas party girl who hasn't real hasn't realized that she's now too old to be that yes and she's still drinking doing drugs acting like she's a 20 year old bimbo yep um the whole nine yards there's a very uncomfortable scene where she tries to kiss casper van dien and he won't kiss her and he kisses her on the head instead and it it, it, i don't understand what that's about yeah never explained why he would stay with her if he's not interested because he's clearly got all the money the only important part from this scene because god damn it we need yet another plot thread in this fucking oh, film shit, is they drop the they drop the foreshadowing that uh Hollywood. what's hollywood's actual name oh clarence was clarence it? clancy clance was it I thought clarence it was... clarence i think it's both i think clancy's short for clarence uh basically uh, hollywood. just keep calling him hollywood <laughs> uh hollywood <laughs> is not casper van dien's son no lynn shay doesn't remember who his dad no she does know she who knows. his dad is but she won't tell anyone because he left it's... her yeah and but that's he had to pay them out so she's basically rolling in money yeah because um yeah. his dad was some semi-famous person back yeah. in vegas in her early days yep we'll roughly the 80s yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. there so then we go to the airport where you've got the black assassins kid trying to get on a plane on his own and the woman behind the counter is like oh i'm sorry but you need a parent or guardian and he starts pulling Quite the rightly because he's 12 fucking years old yep and so he pulls the race card so like, oh so i'm being profiled blah 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 you know why this scene's in here don't you no purely so they didn't have to cast a parent for this kid yeah. And explain how he got to But then to they Germany. had to cast an air stewardess and extras. I know. So I know. it actually made it worse for them doing Maybe this Maybe it was scene. just to pad the runtime. Maybe it was because it's it was not quite funny. unquote funny, but it's not because funny. I tell you why this is, and you, as I said in the postal episode, I'm not someone who gets snowflakey or anything like mm-hmm. that, but this is actually quite a harmful scene because in this scene, this kid 
uses he racism. Pulls what, would, what would be called the race card? Yeah, he pulls the racist, the racism card when people aren't being racist no. to get preferential treatment, which is exactly what white conservatives and people who support Donald Trump. Would that's say. what they accuse black people of doing already. Yep. So, so it's actually quite it, damaging to that community to have yeah. that in here. I mean, I would assume. What the fuck do I know? I'm a white guy. I don't know. From England. <laughs> yeah, I'm a white guy in England. I don't know what fucking US. And is we're like. not racist at all. Just go on, tell them what the name of the airline is, because it's fucking atrocious. I thought you'd like it. The name of the airline is D's Nuts Airways. D's Nuts. And then right at the end, she goes, thank you for riding D's Nuts. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Come on. Come on, you lot. Look at you giggling away. I'm giggling because it's fucking embarrassing. I knew you'd like it. D's oh, tell him thank the next. you for riding D's Nuts, Jamie. Tell him the next bit. You're all set, sir. Gate C42. And thank you for riding D's Nuts. Exactly. So the group arrives at the tournament. A Hollywood's air tank gets trapped in a lift. And so he gets pulled up as the lift is going up for some reason. Don't know where it's going. And it starts to throttle him, so the guys have to save him. While we're here, Greg has turned up at the tournament as well. You know, Armour Gregan. And he runs into the referee from the 80s who used to know him. Now, this is actually quite a cool element if you know a bit about gaming tournament history, and which I only really know about because of the documentary King of Kong. Armour Gregan is very much based on a real guy, not 100%. It's inspired by a real man who... He was the self-confessed King of Kong. Oh, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now, but you can look it up. Just look up that documentary. And actually, I recommend that documentary because it's really entertaining. But this guy essentially runs his own business, but he's kind of put his whole ego into being this great competition player. And the referee from the 80s recognising him. Oh, it's you, Greg. Remember me? And Greg doesn't recognise him because he's too up his own ass. But the referee guy is also a reference to the referee of Twin Galaxies that you will also see if you watch the King of Kong documentary. And it's a reference to the fact that there seemed to be a quite a bit of corruption in Twin Galaxies. And if you look into the history of, you know, that whole shtick, there's a documentary called King of Kong which explains the corruption between Twin Galaxies, who were supposed to be holding a legit rankings board, and Mitchell, something Mitchell, not Gary Mitchell... Uh, but there's a, a, someone called Mitchell. Peggy Mitchell? Not Peggy Mitchell. Not Phil from, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Phil Mitchell. Uh, no, it's someone from America, obviously. Not not from EastEnders. <laughs> Basically, it's, it seems to be a reference to that, but that reference doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, if you know it. And I'll give Blake Freeman that, because it seems like he did at least tertiary amounts of research. So after they arrive, the gang go to a cafe to have a few drinks and chill out and go, yeah, we, we registered, we're all going to do this, guys, great. And that's when Zelda Williams first physically enters, because we've seen her on Skype and we've seen a photo of her, but now we actually see her on screen with the other actors. And that entrance is so poorly edited that it was notable it's, it seems she just appears. She just kind of pops in, and the way it's edited, I mean, it's possible that it fits in terms of a timeline and the way she enters, but it doesn't look right, and it doesn't doesn't click right at all. It, like, it, it's jarring the way they've edited it, and I think it might be because they broke the rule of degrees with the camera, because I think it cuts from a close-up facing in one direction to a wider shot, but in the same direction with the same pretty much basic framing. 
literally but further out. So it, it looks like she just snaps in. Literally, all they needed was a, a shot of her coming through the door. Mm. That would have worked. Armor Gregan gets chatting with the guys, and there's like a one of them stereotypical montage sequences of the guys going, "Yeah, let's drink, let's enjoy ourselves," duh, 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 uh, which doesn't last very long. Then we go back for the first round of the tournament. So now we're getting into the tournament phase. And one of the team names that Jamie noticed... My God. ...was Dharma Victims, as in Jeffrey Dharma. With a Z, of course. Yeah, Dharma Dharma Victims. Now, anyone who doesn't know, is it Jeffrey Dharma? Jeffrey Dharma was a very prolific, very notorious serial killer in the 1980s, uh, who, obviously this isn't a true crime podcast, so I'll keep the details light, but essentially kidnapped, tortured murdered several gay men his goal was to create the perfect sex slave and he used to do this by drilling holes in their heads and pouring bleach in to so, liquefy their brains so as you can imagine that didn't go well no no um, no he didn't he didn't reach his goal and then and then just the final gruesome detail when obviously that didn't go well and they died well yeah you live in a New York apartment block. How are you going to get rid of bodies? i tell you what you're going to do. You're going to eat them. Bleach and all? Yeah, yeah, he ate the bodies. So, yeah. So he got caught. People could smell the cooking. So, so considering that, considering that's who Jeffrey Dahmer is, and there is no other Dahmer I can think of that would fit in this context. And, and with the word victims, it's clearly yeah, a reference to yeah. that. But considering, why? Considering he murdered gay people, and we've got a, a character whose literal existence in this film is her he's gay mm. doesn't feel right just no. doesn't feel right you know it's even just... as a joke or a throwaway joke or even a badly written throwaway yeah. joke because of the constant <laughs> he's gay references all the way through it it feels in really bad taste not quite postal level i don't think anything's going to quite get to postal level but it's definitely in bad taste so Rain win their first round. I'm not going to go into all the details of that because let's be honest, the actual tournaments themselves they don't really introduce Gears of War three. Yeah, the tournaments are throwaway, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're just sort of footage slapped in in montage style with no tension, no build up, no intrigue, no interest. It's just kind of like blah, 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 that'll do. Enjoy whatevs. They're just kind of there to space out other scenes with more important story elements. Afterwards, Jason Mewes goes on a date with Zelda, and the other three go to a strip club. And just to say, this is one of the other only genuinely funny scenes, is Jason Mewes, when he's preparing for the date, he's talking to himself in the mirror, and um, some of that is actually quite funny. At least it's ad-lib. Yeah, Yeah. he, he says something about wanting to work together, and then he's like, no, wait, you're on a different team, why would we do that? Yeah. If if the rest of the film had been quite funny, that might have been even funnier because it yeah. would have been it would have been enjoyable and in an enjoyable film. Unfortunately, that was like a small peak in an otherwise flat movie. Yeah. So they go to this strip club. They get let in, even though Hollywood's too young because he sells them a story that he's dying of something, so that the bouncer will let them through. They tip the DJ to allow Hollywood to be called onto stage. So he's got all these hot strippers like rolling around and dancing around him. He's like, he's got his gas mask on, breathing. Not gas mask, is it? Sorry, oxygen Oxygen mask. mask. Slightly different connotation. He's got his oxygen mask on, breathing heavily to try and control his asthma while, you know, he's getting aroused by all these girls. And then they call on a special guest called Milkshake. 
And, of course, as you could probably guess, Milkshake is a rather hefty lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a... To be fair, it's one of the only cinematic moments in the film, to be fair. <laughs> it's they, true. They, they introduce her with a pan-up from the feet shot. It might be the only pan in the film. I, I say pan, I mean tilt. No, but, you're not, but you know but, what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think it's the only camera motion in the film. You get a close-up of her heels. and, and they, they they've added the camera in any other shot? I don't think they move the camera in any other... Sh- I think it's the only time they do it. I think you're right. I think that's another reason it felt cheap. Is it's all quite... No, no, it's... no, no, no. There is a bit where Zelda and Jason Muse are on their date. There's a bit where they're walking along the street and the camera's tracking with them. Yeah, okay. But you're right. But that's about it. Film, it's only about those two shots. 90% of this film is clearly on a tripod. You see, the tripod was steady, like just being handheld, but in one position. Yeah. No, I it's, think it is tripod. I think yeah. that's another reason it feels unnatural. No, there's, there's a couple of bits where it's not tripod. Right. But it still feels cheap because the camera can't keep itself steady enough. Yeah. You, you can, there's that element. While Milkshake is dancing, she treads, accidentally treads, on his oxygen, um, oxygen line. line. So he now can't breathe. He can't get the oxygen he needs, and he has like this oh, asthma yeah. attack collapses on the floor. Now this is a bit I find genuinely hilarious, though you weren't too keen on it. I did find it funny just because it's an extension of the gay joke. So here's the thing: I find it funny ignoring the rest of the gay joke. This is the only time that the gay thing is kind of paid off, if you like, but it doesn't really pay off. So Oliver sees that Hollywood has collapsed with this asthma attack on stage, he goes, oh my God, climbs up, straddles Hollywood yeah. and starts trying to yeah. so he's in the, pump him. He's in the cowgirl position yeah. on his lap doing mouth-to-mouth, essentially. Not mouth-to-mouth, he's a just CPR. doing CPR. Yeah. But you notice he's, once, even once he stops the CPR, he's still bobbing up he's and down. He's bouncing up and down on, on the crotch Hollywood's area. Crotch. <laughs> yeah, shouting at him going, that made me laugh and then as they wheel him out to the ambulance the reason that made me laugh isn't because her gay that made me laugh because of the goat scream he had like the similar tomba so he, it's because of that goat noise sound that he makes that made it hilarious for me. It's not her, he's gay. Because the next thing that follows from that is Milkshake running out, written as the most stereotype. Oh my God, did I kill a baby? Oh my God, Milkshake don't kill. It's terrible. It's just lazy. It's writing. lazy writing. It's terrible, and okay. it's not. Even, and it's not funny. That part wasn't funny. It no. was the fact that the guy was, was doing goat script, and that's why I think. But I think it's Matt Shively who plays Oliver. I think he's the best thing in it. Yeah. Because he was able to find the comedy in a moment that otherwise wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. That, that's how I right. judge it when I watch someone. I'm like, this is turd, but I kind of like you. So <laughs> we're running out of time here. Shall we get to the part where the endings all start cancelling each other out? Sure. So I'm just going to say there's so many unnecessary scenes. We can pretty much cut most of them anyway. Greg bails on his Frogger final to watch his son right so this is what you think is going to be the concluding arc of Greg where, mm. so Greg who was clearly set up to be a villain 
turns out not to be a villain, turns out to be friendly with the guy. And he's Hollywood's dad. And we realise that he's Hollywood's dad. Now, here's the thing. There is never a scene in which Greg is notified about that, nope. or any scene where it's the, confirmed. And there's it's, no reconciliation scene yeah, between the it's, two. It's literally just, you You realise that he also has asthma, and you realise that he was basically a man-whore in Las Vegas around the time Hollywood would have been conceived, yep. and Cody throws away a line where he goes, And he's huh. rich. And he's rich, and Cody throws away a line where he's like, huh, I think I just met Hollywood's dad. And then, all of a sudden, there's this scene where they're both like, I hope you win your competition, son. Well, I hope you win yours. And, of course, so, Greg, you then get what you think is this nice conclusion to their arc where Greg realises that winning Frogger isn't the most important thing in his life. Watching his son compete is more yeah, important. Yeah, and he surrenders the tournament. He, he, he yeah. drops, drops out, basically. Drops out to watch his son win. But the thing is... That arc doesn't get completed no. because they don't win. Now, you might be thinking, why don't they win? Well, Zelda's Pixies team are the ones who end up going against Rain in the finals because, of course, they did. The irony I is. Ca- I called it, didn't I? You called it about half an hour into the show. Yeah. Like, at least. Like, as soon as Zelda was mentioning, like, oh, so she's going to be the finalist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she is. Oh, by the way, the black assassins are just being gotten rid of at this point. They're basically just thrown out at some point, and there's like one miffy line from the lead guy, and then he's gone. And yeah. He's like. Alright, bye then. Jason Mewes throws an easy victory in the final. Yeah, because it's a, it comes down to the last two teams, the final round, mm-hmm. it's, and it's like a tiebreaker. And Everyone else up. is dead. He yeah. sneaks up behind Zelda. With Literally could kill her with one melee yeah. hit. And this is where the cinematic angles would have been really helpful. To see that decision pace through him, to see the sweat drip down, to make that choice, what should be the right yeah. decision. But because it's all shot in a really flat, bland and unimaginative manner... Mm. That's all missing. Yeah. So all that happens is it just looks like he gives up for no yeah. reason. She and, turns around and kills him. And you think... So again... Right, right. so first off, you again, you think this is the nice end to an arc because he's realised love is more important than the video game. Yes. Which really is the lesson that Cody should have been learning. Yep. Given that this is how he lost his missus. Yeah, that was his um, starting story, was that he lost his missus and he needs to find himself. Um, not to read too much into this, obviously, but I'm, I'm just kind of trolling here a little bit mm-hmm. but um bit simpy in it letting the girl win but does she let him win no. when she t- no she but turns around and murks him but here's the question essentially the girls would only have won right if the guys had actually put in full effort the whole way the girls couldn't have won yeah. So the girls can only win if the men let them. Which is wrong. Which is not also not a good storyline. No. Even if it's trying to be kind of pro-women, yeah. it kind of goes against that arc. Because yeah. it's basically it's, going, you couldn't have won anyway. It's one of those, I let you win. It's one of those things, isn't it, where... Um, yeah, he lets her win, but she literally does not even hesitate. She to doesn't kill hesitate. Him. As soon as she sees him, boom, she's yeah. dead. Which, to be fair, actually, now I think about it, maybe the end titles bit do make more sense. Okay, then. well, we'll come to that in a sec. So, we've now got the full storyline of their tournament. They've gone up against the Pixies. Jason Mews has thrown it. Everyone loses. So, Greg's story arc is now broken because Greg's story arc was to leave winning Frogger to watch his son win. That now doesn't happen. However, Greg's storyline is also further broken in the post credit sequence or in the, like, the pre credit sequence where they have, like, uh, still photos with text explaining what happened to the characters They afterwards. do a sort of where are they now thing, don't Yeah, they? and it, it turns out he sold his business so that he can go on the road to really win the Frogger tournament for real, mm. which is, goes against the whole point 
point where he realised that winning Frogger wasn't the important thing, family was. Yeah. So he's thrown away all the money that his son would have needed to go in and compete in Frogger. So his story is like it's completely broken by the script at yeah. that point. Cody's story is completely forgotten, and his the only storyline that was left for him was to win the tournament so he wouldn't be a complete loser. Well, he's now lost. So... He also loses, and his storyline is completely broken. Yep. Nothing really breaks Oliver's storyline. They just do another couple of lol, he might be gay jokes. He, yeah, he sleeps with a bunch of supermodels. Supermodels, and they're like, oh, but they can't confess, they can't, don't know whether he's gay or not. And it's like, well, I guess no. Like, he slept with supermodels. Like, what are you talking I mean, about? to be fair, Alton John slept with women until he realised he was gay. As far as the narrative is concerned, it's unnecessary. Yeah. The only person who really gets a satisfying conclusion is Hollywood, because he gets to meet his dad. Mm. Though he doesn't win, at least he gets to meet his dad. Yeah. And then the worst one, actually, I think, for me personally, is, is Jason Muse's character, because he spent the whole time pined after Zelda Williams' character since the days of Dreamcast. Mm. He's now finally gotten to have this date with her. We've built this um, like wonderfully emotional story between the two. It's actually the only emotional plot thread that follows through the entire film. And then he lets her win. There's no resolution to that. It cuts to this other element where, like, this where are mm. they now? And they're not together. They're not together. It says he's now banging Hollywood's mum. The old lady. Yeah. And Zelda's gone off and just bought a house. Well, Zelda stated in the film that she wanted to buy her parents' house so that they weren't evicted. Right. So her story arc actually finished fine, but she wasn't a main character. And you would have thought that, you know, he could have helped or he could have, you know, there's no reason they couldn't have continued a relationship. The the lesson here, boys, is don't simp. Exactly, don't simp. (laughs) Don't Uh, throw games for women. They give them a possible out where right at the end this guy comes up and goes, hey, uh, I saw you guys play, you know, I I work for Mountain Dew, I'd like to give you a sponsorship from Mountain Dew. Mm. And they're like... Oh no, you've got to be screwing with this man. He's like, no, 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 honestly, I, I want to give you a manager contract. You know, I think you guys have real talent and real ability. And it ends with them like doing this jump up in the air with freeze a really frame. bad freeze frame because they're all blurred, so it doesn't work as a freeze frame. And then cuts to the where are they now? Well, in the where are they now bit, it turns out that the guy who was selling them the manager contract was a phony. So they didn't even get that. Yeah, it's so they, just a mess of an ending. It, yeah, and like, it, so that's literally the whole storyline. There's nothing of value in the story. Nothing is really resolved. I think Hollywood's the only one with an actual arc that pays off for him. Yeah. Um, no real story is told. No. And it looks like turd, right? And we noticed this. When it got to the end of the credits... Now, we're going to read a list of some names. They, this list... There was about 20 names on this list, at, wasn't there? I think there was 30, 35. Wow. There was a lot of names. We're going to read six of them to give you an idea of just where the budget came from and why this shouldn't have looked as badly low well, budget as I it mean, was. To, to be fair, we're not 100% sure they were given money by these people. Oh, they, but they the gave the name. credits said something like... Credits. Uh, thanks to the involvement from or something, something like that. Something like that. But they like these six names would say a lot... And the other names were quite big as well, but these were the six main ones that stood out to us. Sony Pictures, Microsoft, Skype, PepsiCo, Epic Games, and Apple. Yep, Square Enix were in there Square Enix were in there because they had Tomb Raider posters. Yeah, Yeah. Pop Chips because they were using... I I am wondering, because I don't think these people can possibly have given them money or else this film would have a higher budget. Either that or they spent it all on weed or blow or something. Yeah, I I reckon (laughs) it was more a case of they went to these companies and said, hey, we're making a film about games. Can we we, use posters? We want to show an Xbox in it. Can we do that? And you won't sue us. And Microsoft went, yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, because here's the thing. I'll go over the references quickly. There's not a lot to go through. 
because uh, pretty much everything was Gears of War 3, so we couldn't tick that off the list straight oh, away. Gears of War 3 is all yep. over this Except movie. for Hollywood was wearing a hat that was Gears of War 2. Which uh, is the superior game. Gears of War 2 is better than Gears of War 3. I like both, but I played Gears of War 2 online a lot more, I must say. I never played any of them online. I'm oh, not okay. an online guy. Fair enough. So, yeah, Gears of War 3 is shown all over the place. Blood Rain... Actually, I'll put Blood Rain 2, but it's actually the first Blood Rain. There's mm-hmm. posters of the original Blood Rain game uh, in both the game store and in Jason Mewes' apartment. Yep. Sonya from Mortal Kombat 2009, there's a standee at the store, but then there's also a Katana standee in Jason Mewes' apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a couple th- of other Mortal Kombat yeah. references around. That's before I they got sold to Warner Brothers. He had a second standee as well. Yeah, I think he I did. Think was tr- I think, I'm not sure because you only glimpse it, mm. I think may have been Trish from Devil May Cry. Uh, mm, no, I don't think so. No. I did, there didn't seem to be any Capcom stuff in there. I think it might have been Sonya from Mortal Kombat. It right. was like a woman in a more military-style fatigues. But, but like, she was blonde and had large jugs. Yeah, that's Sonya. That's the Sonya one. Yeah, that's the 2009 design of her. So she had massive jugs, really low-cut trousers, which are yes. super military. There was also the Tomb Raider reboot. It had posters in Jason Mewes' apartment. Yeah, yeah, Lara Croft, yeah. And there was one of the Final Fantasies, one of the newer ones, plastered all over the place in both the store and Jason Mewes' yeah. apartment. I've already mentioned the reference of you've been obsessed with this chick since the Dreamcast. I, put, I don't know why I put reference D's Nuts Airways, but we can never get over that. Uh, <laughs> And then there's some of the arcade, old arcade games that were shown at the Frogger tournament. Obviously, there's the Frogger cabinet, there's a Gallagher cabinet, uh, there's the Centipede cabinet, and there's one that's out of order, but I can't remember, I, I couldn't recognise the cabinet design. Someone else would probably recognise it a lot more than I would, because I'm really not that fully au fait with arcade cabinet design of the early 80s. Mm. However, I could recognise those three. Frogger was named. The other two I only caught by the side artwork designs. Mm. Yeah, so there's at least four of those. And I think that's pretty much it. What I will say is there's one more reference that's not fully video game related. Cody's number plate on his car reads Smogcast, which is Kevin Smith's podcast network. And that's because Jason Mewes is Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. So, yeah, that's the only other thing I could... That's literally the only IMDb stuff Mm. I could find was about the plumbing number plates. So we've given this quite a negative review. I'm assuming neither of us are recommending it. No, I couldn't recommend it. However, what I will say... I mean, I've got a German Blu-ray because I'm in Ponce, but this... You can, if you want to view it, and you want to give it a try for yourself, not that I would recommend doing so, I actually don't really recommend it. I think some people would get something out of it. At the very least, it's not the worst film in the world. It's just a. It's, it's just very bland. It's very bland and badly made. But if someone's just after like an easy pizza and chill film, it's not that terrible. It's not Uwe Boll level terrible. It's no. just it's its main issue is that it's boring. That's its biggest mistake. It's not horrendous and mind-numbingly dull. Uh, but if you did want to watch it, as of this recording, it is the full film has been uploaded for free to watch on YouTube by the creators. So you don't have to buy the German Blu-ray in order to watch it or buy a DVD or anything like that. You can go on YouTube, you can look up Noobs, N-O-O-B-Z, and you'll find that the film is fully watchable on YouTube. So if you do want to give it a test yourself, that's one of the only films that we've come across that you can literally go, yeah, I'll pop that on for free. Yeah. So, well... What, what would you say for free? Would you, would you recommend it for free? No. But Not me, even for free. No, no I wouldn't recommend me, it for free either. Let me read you a little review I found for someone who feels differently from us. Okay. This is from the IMDB reviews. Yep. Uh, this user 
named Dad333. Well, it's going to be cool. Posted in 2013. Uh, gives this movie 9 out of 10 stars. Oh, it's a solid film. With the tagline, forget the bad reviews, dot, dot. You know, it's... Just two dots. Obviously a very loved film when the best review for it has to say, forget the bad reviews. Just two dots, not three, so well, it's not full ellipsis. <laughs> this movie was... Moving capital letters. This movie was absolutely hilarious and entertaining. I almost died laughing a few times whilst watching this. Has he got the extreme asthma of Hollywood? <laughs> I admit I really only looked into this flick because I like Jason Mewes and followed the Jay and Silent Bob slash Kevin Smith flicks. Mm. I wasn't expecting much after the reviews, but this movie was friggin' hilarious. Being a very occasional gamer, I thought that this movie would be interesting, dot, dot. Oh my god, I've just realised that in all of the ellipses, this guy's only put two dots. So he's putting a lip... He doesn't know what an ellipsis is. No, he's putting a lip. Uh, yeah. So, being a very casual gamer, I thought this movie would be interesting. Dot dot. But was put off by the reviews posted. Dot dot. But I gave it a chance. Dot. Glad I did. There were moments that I thought I was gonna die laughing. That's the second time he said. He that. wants you to know he almost died. <laughs> this man needs to see a doctor. I think he needs an ambulance more than he needs to write a review. The, the whole movie. Comma, start to finish, was comma, really well... semicolon. <laughs> the whole movie, comma, start to finish, was really well made. Dot, dot. And very funny. I think to say, comma... <laughs> He's thinking to say. That's, th- that's what he wanted to get out mm. of that. I'm thinking to say. I think to say, if you liked Jay and Silent Bob, you'll like this movie. You know what? He might have a point there. See, I'm I'm not a fan of Kevin Smith's films in general. There are some that I like, but I'm not a big fan in general because I think you have to be a pothead, really, to get most of his stuff. And that's fair because he himself is a pothead, openly Mm. so. So, I mean, he got arrested in the UK because he brought over weed and didn't realise we hadn't legalised it. Really? Yeah, he didn't get arrested fully. He was just like, mate, I honestly didn't know because it's been legalised in America for the most part. So Legalised. Legalised, that stuff. I mean, I don't mind legalising it. I'm cool with that. But at the same token... I'm actually very anti-weed. Are you? Mm. Okay, they can legalise it if they want, but I don't know why you'd smoke it. It smells fucking disgusting. All right, well, I mean... It gives you the munchies. Yeah, it's better than tobacco, but even then, I'm not a fan of it myself. Either way, that's not the point. I actually wonder if I could recommend this to people who are fans of Stonehead movies. No, no it doesn't have that vibe. It doesn't have any of the Kevin... I'm not a fan of Kevin Smith either, but I'll admit that every Kevin Smith film is smarter than this. Mm. This is just a bad, bland movie. I, I will admit that even, like, there's a film of Kevin Smith I watched which I didn't like, which was, um, the, not, not The Walrus. Was it Walrus? Yeah, uh, Tusk. Tusk, that was it. I, watched... I actually want to see that one. Yeah, so, I mean, it, I mean, you might get more out of it than me because I'm not a fan of body horror, but mm. I have to say, at least the first half of that film, the script was very clever. Yeah. I think it let itself down in the second half, but the first half of that script was very clever, and... I couldn't say that about Noobs. It's not that it started off clever and lost its way. It was dumb from start to finish. Yeah. So actually, you might have a point. And there, there's obviously, Kevin Smith is not a complete dumbass. There's stuff he's written, which again, whether I like it or not, has smarter and more insightful commentary on it. So, and, yeah, and he no, definitely wouldn't make he wouldn't all make these it gay bad. jokes. No, he, I think he'd be a bit wiser. Blake Freeman, obviously, is not quite so wise. And that's all it sounds like we're slacking off Blake Freeman a lot, but... Has he done anything else? I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll catch up to him on another different project. We'll go. Oh my god, it's that dude, and we'll be impressed by him. But not in this occasion. I'm afraid noobs or knobs, as the disc states, uh, is not is not great. Uh, do you want to read knobs? And oh, by the way, the Blu-ray comes with an advertisement all in German about ecstatic wireless headsets and ecstatic headsets were in the film so there's actually promotion inside my bloody blu-ray product placement why is a wow. product placement in my Look blu-ray dick? she's wearing the headphones and looks like she's having a bloody orgasm i know well they're the best headphones ever she's ec- yeah. she's ecstatic like the brand the hatten wir Dan Calabessen. Oh, tell me more, Big Daddy. Tell me more. We, we'd better stop because I'm going to get in trouble trying to pronounce. No, words. let's let's leave that. Well, behind. say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye Rory. to the audience. This is a non-recommendy, but if you want to watch it and be bendy, go on YouTube uh, and watch Roundy. I'm trying to rhyme <laughs> things and I can't find a single rhyme. <laughs> don't, don't go into a rap career, Rory. I, I could do a hibbity hop. <laughs> Oh, we have more of these to record, so let's move on. Let's move on. Bye, guys. Love you.